All right, Acts chapter 2 this morning. Acts chapter 2. We'll take a break today from the book of Matthew. I was thinking about really setting, sharing the vision that God has laid on my heart and sharing just uh, from the scriptures. And I always, when I think about what a church should be and a vision of how a church ought to function, I always think it's best to just go back to the beginning, go back to where the church all began. And you find the start of the church in Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2, you see the events that are known as the day of Pentecost. So for those of you that would like a little bit more background, Jesus was crucified, buried, and he rose from the dead. He told his disciples uh, that, well, first he preached for 40 days, and he appeared to people for 40 days. That's the historical record. That's the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. There were over 500 eyewitnesses of Jesus post-resurrection. That's how Christianity got started, because there were hundreds of people that gave testimony to the risen Christ. Well, Jesus then ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, and he told the disciples, he told his apostles, that they needed to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. So they waited several days, and then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And those disciples who had just a few weeks earlier been timid and shy and afraid, they were filled with boldness, they were filled with courage, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to preach and thousands of people in the city of Jerusalem, the very same people that a few weeks earlier had called for the crucifixion of Jesus, those same people came to faith, and they comprised the very first church. And while there were miraculous instances and, and supernatural events for the launching of the church, and while that may be a little bit different than what we experience today, the essence of what the church of Jesus Christ is has never changed. And every local church from that time 2,000 years ago, we do not need, the church does not need to be reinvented. The church does not need to be recreated. The church needs to be rediscovered. And so we look back to the pattern in the book of Acts. We look at what, how Christ established his church and what he wanted it to be for us to get a vision of a healthy church. So would you read the whole passage with me as we begin? Acts chapter 2 and verses 41 through 47. After Peter preaches his sermon, the Bible says in verse number 41, now you've got to imagine there are thousands and thousands of people gathered. I would imagine in excess of 10,000 people that they've encountered because the response is 3,000 people receive. So among the 3,000 who received the word, we know that there are many others that heard the word. So it says here, and Peter preaches this message, and then in verse 41, then they, this is where it all started, everybody, then they that gladly received his word were, what's it say? Baptized. Notice the order, they received his word, and then they were baptized, and then the same day, there were what? Added. They received the word, they were baptized, and then they were added. And the church is born. The church is born. And unto them about 3,000 souls 
You talk about a fast church growth uh, strategy right there. They go from about 100. When Jesus left, there were about 100 disciples in the, uh, that were waiting. And now they've gone from 100 to 3,000 people. Well, it seems like, well, how, what did they do? What was in place? Well, look, it says in verse 42, pure simplicity of the purpose of the church. And they, and they what? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were what? Oh, I need your help. A little bit more. Ready? And all that believed were together. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, here it is again, and they what? And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Read verse 47 with me, really, right from the beginning, good and strong. Ready? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wouldn't you have liked to be a part of that? Wouldn't it have been awesome, amazing? Well, I think you know what I'm about to say. That's what God desires for us. That's what Mount Greylock Baptist Church is supposed to be. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that you know, we're going to have a, a, a big day and there's going to be 3,000 people. That's not what we're saying. In fact, our goal isn't to be a certain size church. Our goal is to be a healthy, growing church dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And I want to speak to you about that for a few minutes this morning. What is a healthy vision for a church? Look in the, on the very bottom of the front side of your uh, sermon notes today, at the very bottom. If we're going to have a healthy vision, this is a simple statement that's going to encapsulate the whole message today. We are God's people called to this place for His purpose and by His power. Now, if you're able, would you read that with me out loud? Let's try that statement together. That's what we're going to focus on today. A healthy vision. Ready, begin. We are God's people called to this place for His purpose and by His power. You're going to see all of that in this passage. First of all, I want you to notice that we are His people, that the church is is established by Jesus Christ The church does not belong to the pastor. The church does not even belong to the people. We are the church of or belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his people. Jesus said, I will build my church. Some of you can finish that passage. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are Jesus' church. You see in the passage, you saw in that very last verse, in verse 47, who was it that added to the church? Who did the adding to the church? It was the Lord. The Lord added to the church. And it's our job as Christians to understand 
that we are his people. That it's not our job to create a certain type of church. It's our job to look at what the Scripture says the church ought to be and to be a church that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. It's who we are. It's who we're called to be. The church, the plan of the church cannot be improved upon. It just needs to be followed. It's Jesus' church. What we need to do sometimes is get out of the way and let him do what he wants with it. Let him do his plan in the church. Now, I want you to notice something about these people. And in fact, there's, there's, if you look at verse number 41, zero in on, let's talk about who the people of the church are. Because that's a fair question, isn't it? What is, what is a member? Who is a member of, of a church? Is there a difference between uh, attending and belonging? How many of you would say amen to that? Is there a difference between attending and belonging? You believe that? For instance, if you are fortunate enough to have tickets to the Super Bowl, anybody got Super Bowl tickets out there? I didn't think so. But if you were, if you, you could sit on the side. In fact, I'll give you, I'll use another example. My uh, Gideon is a Buffalo Bills fan. Ugh, it's tough. That's a tough reality of life. But this year, we got to go. He and I went with my brother-in-law and one of his friends, who they live in Buffalo. We went to a Buffalo Bills game. It was a heartbreaking loss, just in case you're wondering. But anyway, we went to the game and a Monday night football game. Really cool experience. I'd never been to an NFL game. Now, you are there and it is like, how many of you have ever heard of the term Bill's Mafia? If you've heard that before, that's what it's called. It's, it's intense. However, no matter what, I was merely, I was an attender at the game. But I did not belong to the Buffalo Bills franchise. I wasn't a part of it. I can attend. I can enjoy. I can participate. I can cheer. I can weep when they lose. I can do all those things. I can be emotionally invested, but at the end of it, I do not belong. And there are many people who have that casual attitude toward the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear here that there were people that were added to their assembly. And to be added to something, there is a sense of belonging. They belonged to it. Many people will ask, where is church membership in the Bible? And you will never find a verse that, thou sh that says, thou shalt join the church. If you're looking for that verse, you'll never find it. However, it is the great default. It is the, it, it is the, the given of the New Testament. Almost every one of the epistles were written to local churches or to a group of local churches or to pastors of local churches. God has established this, this family, this body, called the local church that is unlike anything else. It's not, like, it's not like a society. It's not like a political organization. It's not like a company. It is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ represented visibly. Here we are. And each local church that gathers makes up the entire body of church, but it is visibly displayed in the local church. When Almost every, almost every instance of the church, when it's mentioned in, in the New Testament, you could, you could see the people visibly. They were there. It's not primarily an invisible uh, entity. 
It's a local visible church made up of people. Now, who are these people? What makes someone truly belong to the, the gathered assembly? And by the way, if you're taking notes this morning, I would write the word church. I would do a little dash or a colon, and I would say, I would write the definition. The Greek definition is an assembly. Some would say a called out assembly. The word was in common usage for all kinds of gatherings. People would gather, they would assemble. In fact, you'll see, you'll see in the names of ch some churches, they will refer to themselves as an assembly because that's what the word church means. It means an assembly. It's a gathering. Can you have church over the internet? Well, you can watch church over the internet, but by definition, you can't have a gathering of people. It doesn't exist. It doesn't work. So who are these people then? Let me get to the point. Who are these people? Well, they're people, in verse 41, who receive, first of all, the first, the first thing that makes someone belong to the church is that they have to receive what? They have to receive the word. Well, what word are we talking about? What is the word we're talking about? The word of the gospel. Back up with me to verse number 37. We'll, get, we'll, we'll read the conclusion to Peter's sermon. The conclusion to Peter's sermon. Now when they heard this, that's the sermon that Peter preached about Jesus being crucified and risen from the dead. When they heard this, they were, what's it say? Pricked in their heart. Everybody know what that feels like? Oh, stings a little bit. They were pricked in their heart when they heard the preaching. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter preached. He said to them, basically, if you read the whole sermon, he said, Jesus came, the Messiah came, and do you know what you all did to him? You crucified him. And at that very minute, the Holy Spirit pricked their hearts and they said, oh no, he's right. We did that. And they said, what should we do? And he says this. He says in verse 38, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of who? Jesus. Baptism was something that people had done uh, for different reasons in the early days of the church. There were political baptisms. There was the baptism of John. Baptism was an outward demonstration of identification. So if you wanted to identify with John the Baptist, who was preaching about repentance, the, the repentance has to happen in your heart. But the identification is outward. So you would say, well, yes, I believe what John is preaching. That's who I want to be. So now I will be baptized. And they would go into the river. They would be immersed in the water. They'd come out. There, people could be baptized for different reasons. It was, more cult it was not just associated as it is today with religious things. But it, but it would have been as well. So what, what Peter's saying here is, hey, there is a new source of truth for you. There is a new person to stake your life on right now because remission of sins does not come through the law. Remission of sins, because these are, these are Jewish people, remission of sin doesn't come through the law. Remission of sin doesn't come through being Jewish. Remission of sin comes through Christ. It is in His name that you receive remission of sins. 
It's in Jesus. So he preaches to them, Jesus. What should we do? Repent and be baptized. Repentance is the inner transformation where we say, yes, I have sinned against God. I need Jesus as my Savior. That's where salvation takes place. But Jesus then taught, upon your profession of faith, you are to be baptized. Not to, the baptism isn't the saving, the baptism is the statement that my salvation, my sins are remitted by Jesus Christ. But they happened instantaneously. There was no waiting or delay period. You would say, like, you know how often here in a service, I'll say, you know, if, you, if you'd like to receive Christ, pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of repentance and faith in Christ. And if you pray that prayer, raise your hand, and people maybe will raise their hand. Well, it, it didn't happen that way. It was more like this. If you've just received Christ, come and be baptized. And instantaneously, the people would come, and they would be baptized in deep water. You may say, well, I was, that happened as I was an infant. No recording of that anywhere in the scriptures. We could talk about that. And I'm not, I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but the fact is you will not find infant baptism anywhere in the scriptures. It was always someone publicly making a decision, I've believed Christ, and now I will publicly be baptized. It's a decision for someone who has conscious knowledge of the faith in their heart. It cannot be conferred upon you. So, if you say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Christ. Great. Praise the Lord. So, have you taken that step of baptism? That's, a, that's the very first step of obedience. It's an exciting step. And each year, it's our privilege here to see people, both young and old, baptized as they follow the Lord in, in Christ. So, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you and your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall what? Call. God is calling the people. He's calling. He's saying, come to me. He, the church, that's why we say a church is a called out assembly. It's a group of people that say, yes, I will come. I will follow Christ. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And now we come to our text. Then they that gladly received his word. Aren't you glad for the day you received the word of the Lord? Aren't you glad for the day that you, you confessed your sin to God and you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth? It's a glad thing. It's a wonderful moment, the day a person becomes a Christian, the day a person becomes a child of God. And if you're wrestling with that, if you're struggling with that, the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart. It will be, you may be in a time of struggle and, 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 and fear right now, but if you will say yes to Jesus, if you will believe on Him, what a glad day that will be. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. How does God build his church? Well, he builds it through people who surrender to him. They say, yes, I'll receive your word. Yes, I'll be baptized. And yes, I'll be added to the church. That's the pattern. That's the hallmark of biblical churches. Now, just for clarification, is it possible for a person... Is, can a person be saved and not scripturally baptized? Yes. Yes. 
Because salvation is by confessing and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the, the, the classic example is the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross that Jesus turns to. Did that, did that, man, did that man do anything other than believe in Jesus? He did nothing. Jesus said, well, today you will be with me in paradise. But at the same time, does that mean we ought to diminish the importance of baptism? Absolutely not. We should make much of it. After all, we are a Baptist church, are we not? Because we believe that the teachings of the Word of God in each of these areas are very important, that we follow Him. So I would encourage you, if you've not taken that exciting step of baptism yet, take the step. Take the plunge. No pun, in or pun intended. It's an exciting thing. That is what makes somebody... So when you believe in Christ, you are part of the family of God. You are part of what some people would refer to as the universal church of Christ. All believers in all places, you belong to that by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit does that. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But to assemble with the, but to be a member of the local church, it's through salvation and baptism by immersion. That's what a church is. And so we need to protect that as a, if we're going to continue to be a biblical church, part of our vision is to follow what the scripture teaches about being the people of God in obedience to him. So we are his people. Now, let's talk about the second thing. We are his people and this is his place. Now, how many of you have heard the statement many times, the church is not a building? Who's heard that before? Okay? And I'm not setting you up. Do you agree with that statement? Yes, I agree with that statement as well. However, however, the church must have a place. It doesn't have to have a building. But the church has to have a place. You've heard people, have you, how many of you heard this statement? Don't go to church, be the church. How many of you ever heard that statement? Don't go to church, but be the church. And sometimes I have actually like, liked that if it was on social media or something. I'll hit the like button. I understand the sentiment, but it doesn't work that way. Because when you see the church in the New Testament, you don't see scattered people you see gathered people in a place. Now, this is really cool. This is so cool in this passage. Look at the, it wasn't just a place, it was places. There's all kinds of, look, here, here's what it says. In verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread. Um, let's see, let's go down to verse number. So obviously they're eating together, right? So you got to break bread somewhere. You got to be, that's got to happen together. They're praying together. Now look at verse number 44. And all that believed were, say it with me. They were together. They weren't, they, they weren't independent. They weren't isolated. They were together. So that statement, don't go to church, be the church, is problematic. Because you can't be the church unless the church decides to go out of their houses and come together. We must prioritize the gathering of ourselves together. 
in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews spoke to Christians in a very trying, dangerous time in their life. And he said to the Christians in Hebrews chapter 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, what's the word? Together. Modern translations put it this way, don't stop meeting together. I always keep that in my mind. It's just, it's, it, that was the point of it. Do not stop meeting together. Come together. Why? Because from the very beginning, that is what the church did. They, came, they had a place where they gathered together. See what else happens here. Verse number, uh, I'll, I'll talk more about verse 44 in just a minute. But now look at verse 46. And they, continuing, how often? Oh, you've got to help me out. And they continuing how often? Daily. How often did the church gather? Daily. I, I remember preachers growing up, like, you ought to be here, and, and I don't have any problem with this, okay? This, this is right on. You ought to be here whenever the doors are open. Sunday morning, like, you think we gather too much? How often did they gather in the, in the how often did they gather in the New Testament? Every day. So we're going to have, you know, we'd have fun with that. But you know what? This, if there's ever a generation that we don't need less church, we don't need less gathering together, we need more gathering together. Now, that does, I'm not saying that always means that every, it, it also we see here was every single gathering of the church to, to necessarily hear a guy get up and give a sermon. No, not necessarily. It's not, it, it's not always, like, but the church always was assembling together, eating together, praying together, worshiping together, but most of all, they're in the apostles' doctrine together. They're being taught together. And so we must be gathered together in the place. Now keep going, though. There's more to it. They continue daily with one accord where? In the what? It's right up here. In the what? They're in the temple. Now, was that their place? They kind of hoped it would become their place, but did it ever become their place? It didn't. In fact, eventually they'd have to stop meeting in the temple. Do you know why? Persecution. Persecution would come. But the temple was this, was this, this central gathering place. They met in a central gathering place, but then where else did they meet? Where else did they meet? They met in houses. They gathered to get... Some people will be like, you know, I've heard all these different theories. People are like, well, you shouldn't have one place. You know, you really ought to have house churches. That's what you had in the New Testament. Any of you heard that, that, that kind of stuff? Like, sure, sure. You want to have house church? That's not the point of the passage. The point is, the church gathered wherever they could, with whoever they could, and they used whatever resources they had. They gathered in central locations. They gathered in houses. But the point is, the people of God have to gather together. Do you believe that? We've got to do it. And so what is the vision for Mount Greylock Baptist Church? We have been given a place. God has miraculously, if you know the history, if you don't know the history of, of, of God giving us this place, you ought to come to the starting point lunch. I don't care how new or old you are to the church. If you don't know the story of how God gave us this place that we gather, that we call home, you've got, you ought to come to that. And we'll tell you the story of how of, it was a miracle that God gave us, us this building. We paid zero dollars for this beautiful space that we're in right now. And if you're like, wow, well, it wasn't a beautiful space that we're in right now. But it was a miracle. 
God gave it to us. And, and since then, we've put tens in the excess of $100,000 into this place that God has given us. Why, though? Because God gave us this place. God put us here. And I believe that he is not done with this place. And I believe that perhaps the best days ever in this place are yet to come in the future. So long as people continue to gather here for God's glory. But if this place were to burn to the ground, we would cash that insurance check and we would meet somewhere else. We would have a place. We would have a place. Because that's what we're called to do. Now, I'm excited about, just if, you are, if you're new to the church in the last few months or even the last year or two, like you, church, have been such great stewards of this place that God has given us. I mean, this, in the last few years, this whole building has been remodeled. We're in the final, we're at the, we've been working our way, well, we started in here, and then we did downstairs. If you have the meal after, that's all been redone in the last couple years. And then, right now, we've started, there's, a whole, there's another level up above us in the back, if you're not aware of that, and we're re renovating that space. And it used to be these small offices, but we're opening it all up. Why? Because we are making gathering places within the gathering place. Because we want to do what the early church did. We want to meet together for continuing in the Apostles' Doctrine. We want to break bread. But we also have, we've, we've got groups of Bible study and we've got life groups. We have all kinds of gatherings of people for His glory because He's given us a place. I'm so thankful to God for the place that He's given us. We're going to keep stewarding, stewarding it for His glory. I tell you, um, there's a, some of you are aware of this. But we are praying about a huge opportunity for this place that God has given us. Huge opportunity. Most of you have noticed that there's nowhere to park here. There's nowhere for kids to play. We, we, just, we, do, we do what the early church did. They did the best they could with what they had. They're sharing their resources. They're giving each other money. They're helping out. They did the sharing their houses. They're doing what they could with the space that they have. And that's what we have always done. But we've always kind of had our eye on this piece of property over here. But it seems as if at this point in time, God has closed the door on that. God opens and closes doors all the time, doesn't he? So we're, we, at any given point, God is doing innumerable things that we don't even, aren't even aware of. But it seems to us as if that property over there, God has closed the door on. However, just this year... It looks like the property behind us is going to be up for sale. So, Gideon, go ahead. Put that up there. Can you see that right there? You may not realize, you may have seen in the newspaper, it was in the, it was in the newspaper that the Braytonville garage, the Braytonville garage has, you're trying to get me to zoom it in, so I can't, I can't do it, sorry, but... Seth's like going like this, like, it's like we'll, just, we'll just make it bigger, right? Anybody ever done that to a newspaper where you're like, you're like, oh no, that doesn't work that way, all right? So, um, you may have seen in the paper that the Braytonville garage closed and the owner said that he's planning to prepare the property to sell. Now, if you're out on West Main Street, it's just a little, it looks like a little postage stamp of a lot, you know, just a little garage right there. 
But everything highlighted in the light green color up there is all of the property that's attached to the Brightonville garage. And you see the little blue square? You are here, <laughs> okay? That's our space, building included, in comparison to that space. It goes right to the Cascade Trail. It goes right to the river. It goes all the way up, follows that creek up there. With this property, we would be able to have parking, with it, like real parking, right? With this, with this property, we would be able to actually put a sign right out on Route 2, main traffic. With this property, we would be able to cut down some trees and make a beautiful space for our children's ministries. Now, I don't know. I'm not here to tell you this morning, you know, name it and claim it. You know, we're going we're gonna to take this. this is, we're going to do this. This would be a miracle of God for us to obtain this property. And I don't know how God works, but I am asking you to do this. Would you pray about this? Would you as a church pray about this? Some of you have kids and grandkids in this church. Some of you are getting ready to start families in this church. What an amazing opportunity for the next generation to look forward and see what God could do with expanding this place that we've been given. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I try to be a visionary person, and I imagine cutting trees down, leaving some of the nice ones, and picnic tables by the stream, and a little playground out there, and things like that. Because I'm just excited that God has given us a place. And listen, I think church... We ought to be just as excited about the place that God has given us as a church as the place that God gave you for your home and family. Because we're the family of God. But it would involve sacrifice, it would involve prayer, it would involve finances. But God, God owns it all, right? God has everything. And so I'm just asking you to be praying about this. We spoke with the gentleman who owns the property. He said that it'll be several months before... It, uh, it becomes available. But we need to pray. And if God, Now listen, if God doesn't want us to have it, we're okay with that too. We're okay with what God's plan is. But I do not want, and you should not want in the life of our church or in your own personal life, you should never, you should never settle for less than God's best for you. Don't miss out because your dreams were too small. Don't miss out because your vision was too small. God specializes in doing things that are not humanly possible. So trust him by faith. It's all about the play. So you see what I'm doing this morning? I'm taking this passage and I'm looking at the, 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 the first church. They were a people, saved, baptized, dedicated. They were a people that had a place and they, did, they gave their resources. Did you, did you see it in verse number... Verse number um, 44, and all that believed were together, verse 44, two more verses forward. Yep, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold possessions and good and parted them to, to all men as every man had need. You see different examples of this radical generosity all throughout the New Testament in different ways, in different settings, for different reasons. The church has always been made up of people who sacrifice for the glory of God. Why? Number one, we are his people. Number two, this is his 
place. Let's maximize its usefulness. Let's fill it with people. Anybody know how many chairs are in the room? Who knows how many chairs are in the room? <laughs> You're guessing? It's not. Okay. There are, of course, I know how many chairs are in the room. There are 98 chairs in the room. There are 98 chairs in the room, and of course there's room to set up more. But at this moment, there are 98 chairs set up in the room. Wouldn't you like to see God give us 98 souls for his glory in this place? I mean, he gave us the chairs. Somebody in the church donated nearly, oh, I forget the number, it was plus or minus of $10,000 to purchase all of the chairs that you're, that you're sitting on. Are they comfy chairs? Yeah, they feel pretty good? If you're like, oh, I like the pews better, just don't say anything. All right, it's okay. okay. It's okay. That's okay. You can have your opinion. Just don't share it. All right, so uh, anyhow, 98. I just, I, there was a, a pastor, a friend of mine, he said this, and it just spoke to my heart. He came, uh, it was actually the pastor at the church that you ladies went to yesterday. Huge church. The auditorium seats like 1,000 people. He got there, and there was a, a few more. It was a little bit bigger than the group we have, but not that much bigger. Can you imagine a church like us meeting in a room like that? <laughs> right? He got there and he was, he, he didn't know what, he said, Lord, you gave us this room, just fill it for your, with people that need the gospel. And I thought, what a great attitude. Like, I, God didn't give us a mega facility, did he? But he gave us 98 chairs set up right here. He gave us 98 chairs. Lord, would you fill them for your glory? We are his people. This is his place. This is our place. Thirdly, now, what's the purpose of it all? What is the purpose of it? We accomplish his purpose. It does no good to expand a property or to buy a bus or a van, all these things God has given us, to fill a room. It does us no good to do all that if what we are doing is not his plan and his purpose, right? And there are churches that lose their purpose. What were the simple purposes? What was the simple? This is very simple. Jesus gave us a very simple purpose for his glory. He said, preach the gospel and teach them all things. Find it in the Great Commission. What is the purpose? Proclaim the gospel, preach the gospel, and teach them the word. Is that any different than what the church in the book of Acts started doing? They continued daily in the apostles' doctrine. They met together. Now, they ate together. They shared together. In many ways, their lives were intertwined with each other, but it was based on growing in the word, growing in the teaching. That is what it is all about. So I'm just going to ask you to think about it. I'm just going to ask you as we, we dedicate our people in this place for the purpose, how, what are we doing when we gather? We're getting in the word and we're loving each other. We're seeing people saved. We're seeing people grow in the faith. That's what it's all about. So what has happened this year? What has happened this year that I believe has really propelled the, that, that mission, that purpose, how many of you have been here at least once for one of our, this year, how many of you have been here at least once for one of our Wednesday night gatherings? Who's been here on a Wednesday night? You've seen it. 
Okay, go ahead. It's, if you've not been here on a Wednesday night, it is an incredible sight to behold with three rows, and they don't sit like you all spread out with personal space. They cram in. But to have three rows, uh, sometimes spilling into the next row, of boys and girls growing in the Word of God. Now, I meant to ask uh, either Travis or Sarah or Cal how many Bibles. Anybody know how many Bibles? Sarah, you're, you, you get the stats usually. How many Bibles have we given away? Probably 25 Bibles. You see those little yellow, yellow, and those are, if you can't see it from there, those little books, all these boys and girls are getting brand new Bibles. They come, to, they come on Wednesday night for how many weeks? Four weeks they get a Bible. We teach them the Word of God. We feed them, and many of you have, how, just, just as a testimony, and I know you don't want to break, how many of you have made a meal for a Wednesday night before? Okay, hold your hands up high so everybody can see. Look at all that. People, great group of people. You've made a meal to feed these children. We've got people running. Uh, we've got Pastor Eric every week driving the bus. We just added a new van route on Wednesday nights. And thank you to James. Where'd you go? Run that van on Wednesday night into Adams. So if you know somebody in Adams that wants to come, we've got a brand route coming in every Wednesday night in Adams for adults and kids. And if, if here's what I say to folks. Here's what I say to folks. If God has given us a vision to reach people young and old, and this doesn't show the Bible study that the adults are having or the teens are having or the prayer that happens. Man, I got done on Wednesday night. I had a little group of guys praying up here, and I walked back, and there's a circle of ladies praying in the back. And I don't mean to trivialize this at all, but they were praying. I mean, those ladies were having a prayer meeting. And that is what the gathering of the church is. Now listen, I, I mean this with all sincerity, so please don't take it the wrong way, but it is like a vision, it's a vision Sunday, right? So, but I mean this with all sincerity. If all you can do is, is come on Sunday morning, we, I, we love you no less, no more at all. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But if you can, if you can, we cannot have a ministry like this unless there are people dedicated to say, you know what, I will set other priorities aside and I will prioritize the gathering of God's people. I'll be there. Listen, I have, I have four kids. It is, it is a hectic thing to balance sports and recreation and school and still make it and bring my family here. And you're like, well, you're the pastor. you got to do it. I do. Okay. Well, it's not actually necessarily true. I know pastors that their kids don't silly, their family isn't in every single gathering. It just kind of boggles my mind. But, but we have families in our church that are, they're not the pastor. They're dedicated. And I, as a pastor, am great. it encourages my heart to see God's people serving, showing up, and just, just being a part. Being a part of it. But if I don't prioritize that, and of course, Everybody can't make every single thing all the time. I will never guilt or shame anyone. I'm not, that's, I, again, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. I get it. But at the same time, if, if church leadership can't just speak things into existence, the church has to believe in it. The church has to catch the vision and say, yes, let's do this. Let's be about souls being saved. Let's be about lives being changed. Let's be about the mission. 
one of the most exciting things that happened this year that you may not have been aware of. In the spring of, of last year, 2023, the family that faithfully led all of our children's ministry for at least four years, Mike and Danielle Hare, most of the church knows them, but some of the new folks might not, they sensed God leading them across the country, and they moved. And it was like a little bit of like, what are, not fear, like what are we going to do, but literally, how will these ministries go forward? How will these ministries go forward? And I instantly, it, 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 it was within hours of the message going out to the church saying, hey, please pray for the Harris as they leave. Within hours, I had a, a communication from, really, I, he doesn't know I'm going to say it, but from Travis that said, hey, I think it's time for my family to, to step it up and get more involved in this. And I was just like, I mean, it happened in an instant. Why? Because that's the work that we do. It's the purpose that we're called to, the mission. And to see uh, the, the, um, the Willettes and Cal take over that Wednesday night, and it has, it has not only been maintained, it has grown. So as I think about God did that, what is he going to do in our church? What is he going to do in our church this year? What are we going to look back next year and say, and God said, well, you know what? There was a family that, that um, you know, we, in, in 2023, somebody did this, but maybe there's somebody else right now that God is speaking to your heart, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, God wants me to do this. God wants me to take this step. Anyway, because it's all about his purpose. My, I say to those of you that have kids and families, just, just be careful. Be really careful. Because when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give account for our lives and our families, the Lord Jesus isn't going to ask us what our kids' batting average was or what their shooting percentage was from the free throw line. I, my kids are involved in all that stuff. But that's not what God is going to ask us at the judgment seat. It's not going to ask, did they letter for varsity? He's going to say, did they love me and were their lives surrendered to me? And that is the great privilege of parents and grandparents, and that is the great responsibility of the local church to drive that mission forward. Because we are here to accomplish his purpose. Teaching the Bible, discipling believers, prioritizing the gathering of the church together. And what happens with it all? Well, finally, we just wait for the power of God to show up. We just go, we just be who he's called us to be, go to the place that he's called us to go, and let him do what he's going to do with us. They, they showed up, and if you were to read what happened on Pentecost, amazing things happened. But what happens here, look at verse number, verse number 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now, th trust me, uh, don't, expect, don't expect any miracle performing here, all right? We, we, it's not what we're talking about. If you're, if you're looking for a healing, we'll pray for you, okay? Well, the Bible says that, to pray. If any of you are sick, pray. But, man, it's a wonder. It's a miracle. When one person says, yes, I received Christ last week at church. 
It's a miracle when a new boy or girl shows up and for the first time in their life, here's the story of Jesus. Could you show, put that picture back up of the kids? I got, I got one more story. It just came to me. Where is she? Where is she? Okay. How many of you know who this is right here? Okay. It's, it's my dad's fault. I'm just like, yeah. You know, yeah. So uh, it was probably, I don't know, th- three years ago, I was with somebody else. A group of our church went into the Greylock community over here, and one of the ladies at the church at the time started talking with this young girl. I came over, and I remember we were talking, inviting her to church, inviting her to Sunday schools. Her name is McKenna. And she literally said to me at the time, somebody, we're talking about, what do you do in church? Well, we learn the Bible, we pray. She says, pray? That's when you talk to God. You can talk to God? You can talk to God? And he hears you? But I will never forget, she said that to me. And that little book right there, that's her Bible, and that little book there says, Every Day with God. Every Day with God. And she spent weeks every day filling that little book out, learning about God, and she brought it back on Wednesday night for that. I'm just telling you, she was here on Christmas. Her family came and said, what a change in her life since she's been here. This is the mission. This is what we're about. This is what we do. This is what the church is. So, again, don't take this the wrong way. But if you've got a problem, if somebody's got a problem with some minor detail of the way things go, I am, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. What we do have time for is people who say, hey, how can I serve? How can I pray? Where can I give? What can I do? Who can I encourage? I had two ladies in the church over the last uh, two months that said, hey, we want, they didn't say it quite this way. They said, hey, we want something to do on Saturday morning. Anybody in the church we could visit and encourage? Anybody at all? I think three ladies. There's been different pairs, but... And so Carla and Evelyn and Sylvia come out on front Saturday. Just, you know what? Nobody said, hey, let's start a... Anybody can find... If you want to find problems... And, and no, by the way, nobody's coming to me with problems. I'm not correcting anything. So it's a wonderful thing. However... However, if you want to find problems with the church, let me give you my list, right? We're just people that have, that we mess things up. You know, sometimes we let our attitudes get the best of us. We, we, but we never forget that we are his people. And it is his place and his purpose. And we are accomplishing his mission. And it's a thrill, it is the privilege of my life, privilege of my life, to be a part of Mount Greylock Baptist Church. It's a privilege to have grown up here, for you all to be willing to take a kid who grew up in the church and call me to be the pastor here. It's it's an amazing experience that many people would never have. It's a privilege. And And what I'm asking today as we talk about the vision of our church is, 
will we be his people? Maybe you're here and you say, I need to get saved. Or maybe you are saved and you need to get baptized. Well, we can do that too. We can settle all that. It would be a wonderful experience. But maybe you say, you know what? If there's a vision of our church for 2024, I want to be a part of it. God, how can you use me? Maybe you're older in years now and you can't do all the things that, 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 that you used to be able to do. It's a, just a difficult reality of life. And this whole sermon's not about it, but I want to encourage you. You can be sometimes what a church needs are some of the biggest prayer warriors and cheerleaders from the sidelines who say, yes, I'm praying for that. Or I couldn't be there, but I watched it, and man, I'm praying for this person or that person. Man, there's something you can do. There's something I can do to be part of the vision that God has given us. Would you come to prayer with me now? If God has spoken to your heart this morning, maybe God spoke to your heart about salvation. Maybe you need to follow the Lord and, and you need to receive Christ as your Savior. If that's you, what are you waiting for? I know who's in the room. You've heard, you've heard the, the gospel preached here each week that you must simply repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, would you do that right now? Just in your heart, pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I am a sinner, but I believe you died and rose again for me. Please save me. I believe in you. Become the people of God. Become a person of God. Maybe you've never been scripturally baptized. You say, well, I, I need to take that step. That's an important step. Well, you can, you can privately, you can fill that out on the connection card. Grab a connection card and just put a little note there. I would like to hear about baptism. Be happy to set that up and, and, and welcome you into that first step of obedience as a Christian. Or maybe you just want to talk about it. But if God is speaking to your heart, the worst thing you can do is just remain frozen. Just frozen. If God is speaking, hear his voice. Those of you that you say, yes, I am saved, I'm a member, and I'm, I'm fully committed. Like, how many of you say that God spoke to your heart this morning? God's given you something, bigger vision. I see hands up everywhere. Praise God. Well, what we're going to do right now is we're going to give you a chance to pray. Deborah's going to play on the piano. And would you just pray? Would you dedicate this year? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for our whole leadership team here as we seek to, to, we want God's power. We want his protection. Would you pray for those boys and girls? Would you pray for more servants? Would you pray for these 98 chairs? Pray for the 98 chairs in the room. Pray for the chair next to you. Say, God, would you give me somebody to sit next to me this year? Pray for our kids. Pray for that property. Oh God, would you give it to us? May we never get content except in the Lord's will. Not complacent, but content with His will. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for 
the message this morning. Challenge each and every one of us, God. Challenge us, Lord, to be in prayer for this coming year, Lord, to be in prayer for our church, to be in prayer for, Lord, those who we would reach out to, to, to bring here, to hear the gospel. God, we pray that this would be a year where we would see more souls saved, that we would see more lives changed and touched by the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.